Welcome to Living in the Matrix. I'm Jonathan, and I'm left of center. And I'm Rich, and I tend to lean a little bit more to the right. But the bottom line is, is together we try to look for the balance of what it means to be human in today's world. All right, let's get started. Uh, welcome, everybody. This is Living in the Matrix. I'm Jonathan. Say hello, Rich. Hey, everybody. Great to be here. I'm really looking forward to, to the, uh, our guest today. Yeah, we we have just one of the most wonderful guests. Uh, and this is a topic that I have always been interested in, is the idea of near-death experiences and what happens after that. Because most people focus on that near-death moment, but what also happens after that? We're going to dive into a lot of that today. Um, so let me introduce my our guest. So this is Virginia Drake. Virginia has worked in the fields of education, social work, counseling, consulting, and motivational speaking for over 30 years. So she comes with a huge amount of experience. She holds a master's degree in education from Georgetown College, a teaching certificate from Eastern Kentucky University, and a BS degree in social work from Murray, Kentucky. So she's got this huge background that's very well developed. And in 1998, Virginia had a miraculous healing after a major heart attack and near-death experience. So that's what we're going to be diving into. And it was then that she became interested in the mind, body, and spirit connection, which is what we focus on here, and the impact these forces can have on one's health and relationship. So I'm so interested in diving into this conversation. And to finish, she has devoted over 20 years of intensive study on meditation, natural healing, quantum physics, and how the electromagnetic, electromagnetic field in the human body works in connection with the healing process. Virginia, welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me here. It's so, fantastic. In California, I'm in Kentucky, and it's cold here. Oh, is it cold? It's yes. unfortunately it's still 90... Yeah, it's still 94 degrees here in California well, today. it's 61 here, but it's cold. <laughs> and I've been out cleaning and doing my garden, but I have done uh, tomato sauce all day today. So I am a mother that also cleans and does gardening. So I'm, I am all of it today. It's been like uh, a lot of work. No, but we want to talk about my near-death experience. And so, yeah, let's dive in. Help us understand. I know that I read a little bit of a primer, but your whole experience starts in 1998. Why don't you start there and give us sort of a, a primer on that experience so that well, we can unpack say, it? I'm going to go all the way back to when I was okay. born. Okay? okay. Sure. I was my mother's seventh miscarriage in 1951, and I was only a pound and seven ounces. And this is what when you have had these experiences that I had, I was with a very dear friend that was blind and he was, he came in three months prior to me in the, in 51 and he lost his eyes. He, they, uh, he was a, a sighted child, but when they put him into the incubator and put him in pure oxygen, it burnt the retinas out of his eyes. Oh, wow. Three months later, I came in and he, and this is soulfulness. This is when you really understand how the soul works. Mm -hmm. He gave his eyesight for me. He gained it back. No, he didn't get it back. He, he gave it to her. He gave, oh, he his, gave it. Okay. He took his eyesight out so I would not be affected by the blinding if they did it to me. Because he was the first child that ever 
they didn't realize that if you take pure oxygen, it'll burn the retinas out. Oh my, oh my gosh. He was cited. So when it came down from high school, Earl and I are very good friends and he is blind, mm -hmm. but he called me, his, his, uh, his aunt called me and says, would you please take Earl to the high school? He's going to go to high school with you, Jenny. And I got to walk with him. Now he is, he was, he's a big guy. He was a wrestler and he could smell you anywhere. Wow. I mean, he was state champion. And he wow. Was, when, and how was this little bitty cheerleading kind of girl and this big guy? And if anybody messed with me, he, it didn't matter. They were scared of him because he could knock you down. He would take, but he used to hear us. He'd say, you know, this is one thing about with women. I can always bump up against them and they're not going to get upset with me. He was so bad. He was bad. So that's how I wanted you to understand that that started way back in, you know, in 1951. So that came down because I had drowned twice before that. I mean, after that, then I have had two strokes, two heart attacks. And then in 2019, I was uh, paralyzed from the neck down and in a hospital room for uh, in a hospital for three days. But I went into the MRI and took in all of the electromagnetic field of that MRI and came out light. So, wow. yes. Oh, yeah. You can, I mean, you know, that's when I said this to that one video, I said, we can do this. And I've been doing this and walking over that line for a long time, but it is electrical and it is a magnetic. So you've got to learn how to go in there. And it's all about breath and it's about grounding. And this is what we're doing now with my partner, uh, Jeremy, who is like my son, too. And he's been with me for 15 years. And um, I said, we've got it. You know, I, when Jeff called me, I was I've been doing this for a long, long time. I never thought it would just go into escalate into something else. Uh, I w we've had over a thousand emails. Wow. I know. I mean, I'm almost semi, I'm semi-retired. I mean, I have clientele all over the world and then I get all of these people and it just, it threw me backwards. I mean, I thought, wait a minute, I'm going to give it up. I'm not, I'm not doing this. I'm 72 years old, guys. Come on. I need a break. Virginia, what did those, so you've experienced a lot of near death, like you're, like you almost died. What does that feel like for a person who's gone through that repeatedly? Because if you get one near-death experience, like I've had about five or six where I could have easily died or probably should have died. And it's a weird experience. How has that affected you? Well, you know, I really didn't know about it until 1998 when I had the big heart attack. It's what it really did knock me backward in, you know, to another thought process because I really did see this. I mean, I'm sitting in my uh, den and I lived in a farm and we had eight, 11 acres. And I mean, I was working. I mean, like everybody else was, you know, we we had the big farm. We had the big house. We had the whole thing, the American dream. And, you know, we looking good. We looked really good. <laughs> but there was a lot of things that were going wrong in that house. But what started it was I just walked into my den and there was nobody there. The kids were gone. You know, they were in high school. And that were sitting there. And this man starts talking on the TV and he's going, don't get a heart transplant. And I thought, 
okay, I'm not, you know, and I mean, I, it was like, but he was talking to me. He would, he look, it was almost like he would come mm -hmm. out of the TV and look right at me and say, don't get a heart transplant. And I'm going, I am 46 years old. I walk four miles a day. Now I might've smoked some cigarettes every once in a while. And I had a couple of drinks, but I was not going to have a heart attack. I just, I was walking four miles a day. You know, I just didn't make sense to me. But I kept saying it, he kept saying it, and he'd say it again. Now, you've got to understand, when you're working in the supernatural, that mm -hmm. was a supernatural deal. I was not aware that it was in supernatural, but a man talking to you on the TV is a little much, you know? But and your, your body we, connected to it. Like, oh, you yeah. felt an energy through the TV. Yes, because I kept looking. I would look in my room and think, okay, he's got to be talking to somebody. Yeah. Then I'd look around, there'd be nobody. And I no, he's talking to me. And then you're having this conversation. Is he really talking to me? Or is he <laughs> talking to me? No, he's not talking. Is he talking to me? And then finally, after four or five times, he said, don't get a heart transplant. And I raised my hand, literally, and said, oh, I'm not going to get a heart transplant. I'm healthy. I'm 46 years old. I walk four miles a day. Blah, 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 blah. You know, and exactly the next week, I'm looking at one. Mm-hmm. What happened in between that well, forced you to? It's June the 2nd, 1998. Mm -hmm. And uh, what it was is it was the first day of summer break. And I had my older, my younger son and three other students that were taking my, you know, my classroom down. We were taking everything down. And what I, and I kind of partied a lot. I was so glad that that year was over because why I had a heart attack in the first place was the nun and I weren't getting along because I was a Catholic educator and uh, she and I really did not jive. And I was very, and also I'm a convert Catholic. So I don't have the same kind of rules that they all have. You know, when she'd say something, she said, you're a Catholic. I said, yes, but I, I am a Catholic because I chose to be a Catholic. And I was a Baptist before I was a Catholic, and you don't know the Bible as well as I do. And we would have these arguments, and I would argue with, you know, even with the priests, because they said, you're just, you know, because I wasn't following the rules. I was not, I was always a rule breaker, if you want to know the truth. I was always one of those. So I remember when I was feeling really sick. I mean, when I got there, I remember the kids were with me, and I was excited about the summer break, and but I kept having this like this pain in my chest. It was just weird. It wasn't it. But what got my attention is I leaned over to my trash can. And as I bent down, I just started dripping sweat off my body, oh, wow. literally. And immediately I've been a lifeguard. I was also mm -hmm. a water safety instructor. I knew all of the signs of a heart attack. And that was a heart attack. So I just leaned down. I thought, I'm going to go get, maybe I've got, you know, because you don't can't imagine 46 years old having a heart attack. Mm -hmm. So I went down. I said, I'll get a Coke. I'll be fine. It's probably got indigestion. And the week, reflux. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Acid reflux. Because just three weeks before that, I was sent to the emergency room in my, from my classroom because I thought I was having a heart attack. Mm -hmm. Now, what they told me when I went in, the ambulance came and got me. I mean, they came and got me while I was still in school and they kept saying, and I kept saying, don't let the children, 
don't let the children see me. Don't I want the children, you know, they said, it doesn't mm-hmm. really matter, ma'am, you know, the kids are going to see you. Because I do, I was very much about, I want to protect our children. Ever seeing, you know, if that, because I'm a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm the big teacher, the one that has the, you know, the sixth, seventh and eighth graders. And mm-hmm. they knew me very well. And we were a very small school. So, yeah, I didn't want to upset the kindergartners because they were out playing. <laughs> and I remember the ER guy said, ma'am, it doesn't really matter. You're just, he said, what were you doing that caused this uh, heart attack? And I said, well, I was diaphra- diagramming uh, English sentences. And he went, well, no wonder. <laughs> you know, because I thought, because I, I was an English teacher as well. So I thought, no, that didn't bother me. You know, so Not I went parallel to- structure. Yeah, I mean, I was real strict about the English, man. It was like you hit them really hard with that, you know. And these were Catholic kids, so they've been raised in English because I was the English uh, proctor. Basically, I taught everybody how I wanted it to be because we were such a small school. So I remember when we went to the emergency room, I, you know, I came in. Well, I I went to my house first because my older son I said, well, just bring me in, you know, to my son, my son, Brian. I said, just come and get me. I just don't feel good. Maybe I just need to go. Maybe I pulled something in my shoulder or something. And we had a hot tub. So when I went down to get into the hot tub, I lasted approximately up to my kneecaps and I started vomiting. I jumped out. We were in a hot tub room, so I could just walk right over and I started vomiting. I thought, that is really weird. Hmm. You know, why would I be doing that? Because you just still can't imagine you're having any kind of problem like that. And I was not going to back to the hospital because they told me, if you uh, come back again, you'll still swear up and down you're having a heart attack and you really have an acid reflux. I thought, I am not ever going back. I'll wait. Well, after I got out of the hot tub, I mean, I didn't last, but like I said, five minutes at the most. I went on up to the third floor to my bed and my two cats is I had two gray cats and that was Ike and Tina and they were just staring at me. And I thought no, they're acting really weird. You know, Animals I'm, can tell. Oh, they, they can. can. Oh my God. And I had great cats. They were, and they just kept looking. And finally this voice said, you need to go look in the mirror. And I thought, I wonder what's going on in the mirror. You know, I still felt bad. I walked in there, you all, and I have seen dead people. I mean, yeah. I, my eyes were already behind my, and I thought, oh, my God, I'm done. I was ashen gray. Yeah. And the voice said, you need to go to the emergency room now. And were I, you still I, sweating profusely? Oh, yeah. I was, I mean, I was already vomited. I'm mm-hmm. having these pains. And it and it it did. It felt like a snake, a, you know, an anaconda and an elephant. I mean, I couldn't breathe very well. So mm-hmm. I thought if I just just lay down and take yeah. a couple of breaths, but I couldn't. I couldn't get any of the pressure in my. And I thought there is some, you know, in the cats, like I said. Every, but when the voice said, "Go in there and look," and then the voice said, "You need to go now." <laughs> I went down the steps to the second floor, and I told my husband at the time, I said, "We need to go now." And he said, well, I've got the doctor on the phone. He's going to give me. I said, we need to go now, like that. So we go and we got, you get there about 15 minutes. Now, we're still having acid reflux. That's what I feel. So I'm coming in, you know, and I'm hurting. I'm thinking, okay, we're going to have to look at this again. I'm going to embarrass myself again. You know, it is, I'm very Mm -hmm. bad about going to a doctor anyway, or even to the ER. 
So when I got in, I remember the girl said, I said, I'm having a problem. I think it's acid reflux again like that. Now, my husband has left and gone and you know parked his car. He's not anywhere. <laughs> he said, well, I'll be out back in there later. I'm going to go, you know. I said, okay. So when I got in, the woman, I thought, oh, they know me. You know, she recognized, recognized me from the last week or whatever. And I thought, well, they really recognized me. You know, they got me in real fast. I remember because one of the nurses there, well, I went to high school with her and she was a nurse and she said, what are you doing back? Like that. And I got in, I said, I just don't know. Well, they gave me that same stuff and they went it to go down, but this didn't go down. It went straight out of my mouth and shot out into the wall, projected out. And that's wow. when everybody in the ER said, this is a heart attack. And I went, did they say heart attack? I mean, I started looking at heart attack. Who's having a heart attack? These I'm having a heart attack. That's when you literally come back down into inside your body. And I'm laying inside my body, but I'm also in my solar plexus, but also I'm sitting in the corner of the, you know, the ER and I'm thinking, okay, wait a minute. Now I've got science background. So that doesn't, that's not registering at all. But how, and I keep thinking, why can I see out of my solar plexus and all of these people are working here, but yet I can see this person because I wasn't in my body. You know, even though you think you're in your body doesn't necessarily mean that you're in your body. Had so, you gone into a cardiac arrest at that yeah. point? Oh, okay, yeah. so you were in full arrest. Okay. I was in full arrest. And okay. I was still awake. They couldn't believe that I was, I mean, they, they couldn't believe how it took them three months. It took them three hours just to get me ready to go to Lexington to wow. go, uh, uh, you know, the heart uh, cardiologist, uh, because they had to keep me very much uh, settled down and, uh, and I'm still going, why, why are they acting like that? Why are they not talking to me? And I'm still out here in the body, you know, and I'm not understanding how come they're not talking to me. That really makes me mad that they're not talking to me. They should be talking to me. You know, I'm talking, but they can't see me the way I'm seeing me. They're mm -hmm. seeing me like this. And I mean, and I do talk to nurses and doctors for their face, especially. I said, you nurses and doctors need to cut and watch your face. Because if you all came in like that, I said, you all scared me to death. <laughs> and I, said, oh. I said, it scared me so bad. I thought, am I dying? Well, yes, I was. But, and I mean, I tell them, I said, you got to be careful because when you're out of your body, this is what made me really realize the importance of being in our body and the grounding that we have to, that's who I usually do is I help people ground and get learn how to really breathe. I didn't know how to do any of that, even though as a swimmer, it's just different. So when they did get me in, I remember the um, emergency guy that came in and they were getting me on the, you know, the table and getting me ready to go to the ambulance. And as they were going in, I remember the guy says, "You ain't gonna make it, huh?" I bet he said you weren't gonna make it. He said it. Yeah, he did. He said it to himself. Yep. And I remember. But, but you could hear it. Yes, I heard it. I heard every bit of it, and I, I thought, I am. Really wait, wait, wait. So is this the? Are you still out of your body at this point, or you're back in I your body? Out. And when they put me on the stretcher, it brings you back in. But okay. when I got in and they pushed me in, I was out going like this. Okay, now wait a minute. 
How's this work? Then he said it. He said, she's not going to make it. And I thought that really makes me mad. (laughs) (laughs) You're watching him say that to yourself. Yes. (laughs) Well, I I talked to them all. I let them know, you know, I was really upset with them because first of all, I said to the nun, what happened? It was my husband with me. Thank God he wasn't. And that'll explain to you later. She came in, the nun, she's intuitive like I am. She's no longer a nun, by the way. There's several nuns that are no longer as nuns after me. <laughs> but she she knew, God told her, you need to go to the emergency room. She, they First, they, she called my son. And my son said, well, she's at the emergency room. And she was told, by God, you need to be there. Mm. So when I look up here, she's coming in. Ron's already gone to go get the boys because they said she's having a heart attack. Okay. And he's going to go get the boys. And then here comes my nun, who is my, she was my principal. And Marcia says, I'm coming with her. And I thought, oh, thank God. I'm so glad she's coming with me. But she sat and witnessed, she witnessed all of this because she's very intuitive like that too. So when we went in, I got in and everything, but I remember thinking, why have they got the lights off in the, the ambulance? That I, I've got a problem going on here. Mm-hmm. And I'm really going through it. Like, they're, I'm going to really give them for it. They're not doing their job. And I mean, the next thing though, by saying that, next thing I know, I'm running next to the uh, ambulance. And I think that's not possible. I'm driving the ambulance but I'm not in an ambulance, but I'm in next to them. And I thought, that doesn't make sense. I remember I just kind of motored right up and I could see the driver of the ambulance. And I thought, how can I see him when I'm way back here and I'm there too at that? So that doesn't make sense. It just so doesn't. one thing I want to clarify here is you are not in your body laying on the stretcher having what is essentially an astral projecting yourself into the front seat. You're just there. I'm just so saying you weren't actively making this happen. This is happening to this you. This is right? happening exactly. Okay. And it sounds like you're not really in control of the entire experience no, at all. No, no. There is only one thing you're going to get controlled of it because you're still lost in it. You don't even know that you've even mm-hmm. done it. You, it doesn't make sense. This is what people don't, when you're in supernatural, it's not going to ever be logical. Is that what you call that space, supernatural? That is supernatural. Got it. Okay. I mean, I've done it too many times. I already know what supernatural is. I've been in the, in the supernatural for a long, long time. I just didn't know that's where I was. Okay. So when you're in that, you're, you're shifting in and out anyway through the different levels of consciousness. So you're in and out and back this way. And when I work with people, especially if I'm in the emergency room with them, I'm watching, make sure that they're staying in. Mm-hmm. Because once they're out, you don't, uh, the doctors, they're not listening to anybody. Mm-hmm. They're somewhere else. So I've, I've even told doctors and nurses and doctors listen to me now. Mm-hmm. Because they know what I'm saying is correct. It's not what they think at all. You've got to understand there are, there are symptoms that you show that you are going through that if you've never seen people going through their body, you would, and I'll go just touch them and say, get back in. And they'll go back in like that. Hmm. And I can see them come out. Is that them actually the process of, of leaving? So there's a, um, what I'm trying to figure out here is um, you've, you've talked about a different, bunch of different scenarios where there's an external kind of event that can either 
lets you go out or it brings you back in. Now, if you didn't let them come back in, would they be lost in forever? That's them completely separating, right? And that's what... No, okay. that's a fragment. That would be a fragment. You're fragmenting out. You still have a part of you in there, but you fragment out. And this is where people, when there's trauma... Mm-hmm. This is what people that are traumatized, they fragment it. Mm-hmm. And that's why they've got, when I work with kids, especially if they've had a tragedy, you've yeah. got to bring all of those fragments right back in. I had the best experience to go through what I've gone oh. through. Let me, let me ask you a question, because I think that's a really important thing to healing. When you say fragment, is it something negative or something about the self? What is, what is fragmenting? Because you're so traumatized. Your body, your soul, and your consciousness can't handle it. So it, it separates you from immediately. So you kind of go into a schizophrenia is what you're saying? No, no. Okay. No. How do you, how would you separate those when you? Well, it's like, it's things slow down. Okay. Have, you ever, have you ever been in a car accident? Yes, I have. And how things really start moving real slow? Yes. That's supernatural. You're okay. not any longer in time. Okay. You're not in anything that you would even associate. I mean, I've mm-hmm. been in five car accidents and I felt every one of those every time I did it. And so did my other son. Mm-hmm. So when you go into slow motion, that means you're really going quantum. Mm-hmm. You're going so fast that you feel like you're slow. So everything was really slowed down. Mm-hmm. But that's why I could have all of those understandings of how I could be over here and then I could be over here because. Mm-hmm. Virginia, this is, so, so this is kind of fascinating because I'm trying to actually get the feel of supernatural versus science. Because I feel the more and more conversations we're having, and I love God, right? I love Jesus, right? Jesus is awesome. But the kinds of conversations we're having um, tend to deal with things like the conversations that we're having even now. Is it an actual amazing function of the brain to go beyond? So could it, could you actually attribute what we're talking about to pure science and physiology and other things? Or do you really material? There's, there's something coming in extant to the natural laws that's actually doing this. Um, well, Virginia. it is the natural laws. You are talking about the seven natural laws. They do exist. But what you're seeing is anytime you're going through trauma, people fragment. They fragment because they disassociate. And that's what you're going to use the word disassociation. Only reason why I say this is I've been almost Mm -hmm. raped three different times. Mm -hmm. And every one of those times stopped that person from hurting me Mm -hmm. through the supernatural uh, elements of who I am. I mean, it, it, it's, I'm telling you, I saw it. I was 19 years old. I mean, we, I guess we better do the NDE because those are things that happened to me. They were more important. What I saw that came through my body, the force of my body that could hold me up the way it did mm-hmm. with a man that hit me so hard at 19. I was a swimmer. I did everything. I was, I was very massive, but I was still a small girl. But I mean, to hit me the way he hit me and I saw stars, I really, he turned around, he hit me so hard, I hit the other wall, but I was, and I was stunned. And I remember something came up through the tips of my toes and raised my body up off of that wall and it raised me up, but it went after him. 
and it came right at him. And I had my finger at him and I said, you're going to have three girls and every one of those girls are going to get raped just like you're getting ready to do it to me. And it, it scared him so bad, you all. He wow. fell down on the floor. That's a powerful thought. Yeah. <laughs> but let me tell you, see, I had a Jesus experience when I was 16, when I was watching mm -hmm. my father and my best friend dying. See, this is all these connections. Mm -hmm. And I went to the church to pray in the 60s. You know, we had candles. Church was open by that time. Mm -hmm. And nobody was there. I was praying for my son. I mean, my husband, You're, my father yeah. and my best friend. Yeah. And Jesus walked off of that cross. I felt him walk down. It was at night. He just stepped out, went down to the other pew, came up to the pew, pushed me up at 16, grabbed me and said, I've already taken care of them. Now, a 16-year-old immediately thinks there's a miraculous healing. Mm -hmm. It was not. They both died. So what I did is I took a trip to hell because I didn't trust God anymore. And I didn't trust Jesus. They were liars. So I went to college with hell on my mind. I wasn't of the protection of God. I didn't believe in God anymore. But yet I'm having an, uh, uh, almost a rape situation and something has opened me up to go after this man. So I'm a little girl at 19 still, you know, and I'm thinking, okay, am I a demon now? I mean, I was scared. Of course. I thought, I'm, I, it's a supernatural experience. And at 19, I doubt you had any emotional capacity to go, is that not me? Oh, you know, I was terrified of me. Yeah. I was, yeah. And I would not say anything to anybody. I was afraid that I could kill somebody. And I'm serious because I can tell you some of that stuff. Too. And I thought I could kill people. Well, it, it it's always scared me until... When I got, when I had the near death experience in 1998, when I was 46, that showed me, said, I was here, 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 and you've never been alone. I've always been there, but you turned your back on me. And I thought, oh my God, look what I've done. And we've all gone through this because we mm -hmm. go through this thought that, you know, God is this way, but God's not like that at all. Our souls right. are so much stronger and they have so much more understanding. My soul is very big and it will stand in its truth. I mean, I've stood up in front of shamans when I know that they're doing things that incorrectly, like sex, they're doing sex things. And uh, my students are there thinking we're going to see ayahuasca and I'm starting to see things that are not normal. And I'm thinking, no. So that's when I, you know, I'm very hard to get along with when it comes to, you know, you're not being uh, rightful. Your I'm spirit like, won't you let you. Yeah. You have to, you have to um, you've got the Saul's road to Damascus experience. You've got something that can't be taken away from you. And I love this kind of angle we're on because one of the things that you mentioned um, when you're uh, being interviewed is that you lose your fear of death also. And that's a very powerful thing to lose that. But we've also been finding, and I, I'm trying to, we're, we're always trying to bring parallels to things, right? How, how are we all connected? How is this all connected? Because we've, we've done a lot of research on psychedelics and you just talked about ayahuasca. Oh, yeah. 
But one of the things that we've um, seen some research on is that at Johns Hopkins, they've taken near death uh, or people that are about to die stage four cancer, and they give them massive doses of psilocybin. And they actually weren't necessarily, they might've been agnostic or atheists. They even came back saying there's something out there that's greater, right? There's, there's this love, there's this consciousness, and I've lost my fear of death. And I think what I'm trying to get by bringing all this in is we have a lot of, um, I think a lot of ammunition, a lot of angles that can help us get through our lives Yours happens to be a little bit more extant and, 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 and kind of crazy. And I don't know if you'd want anybody to go through what you've been through to come up with the amount of knowledge and strength you have. I so I guess what I'm getting at is um, maybe it's too early to talk about this, but. How- no, I think this is time to talk about it. The only reason why I opened that up from Jeff's is I truly believe that we can do everything Jesus Christ told me. Right. Mm-hmm. And he told me that. He said it's Great there, little red, the little, you know, all the red uh, words right there. You yes. can do the same thing. And he looked right at me and said that. And he said, so why are you not doing it? And he said it exactly like that. But he also changed into light in front of me. And that's the same God that I met was in plasma light. He was not a human. It's not anything. I mean, it's an intelligence beyond us. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's beautiful. And I mean, you're humbled by it. I fail to, how many times do you think I walk through my house and I, when I realize the Holy Spirit falls back on me, I fall down into my knees. I've been in the middle of a motivational speaking and just drop down because you already feel the, the, that love is beyond words. There's no words put into that. You have to surrender to it. When you were doing that motivational speaker, you had to surrender to what was happening right there. There yes. was nothing, I mean, nothing else mattered compared to that kind of situation. Yeah, yeah. that's the thing is most human beings start from the perspective that God is after me. It's been well embedded into virtually all religious systems. So that's the common narrative everybody has is God is out for me. When in actuality... God first begins with love. But they also make God look like he's a human. Yes. They always make them in a religious background Mm -hmm. that God looks like us. God does not look like us. In fact, I remember (laughs) saying it. How come you don't look like us? If that's our image, then that's our image. Mm -hmm. Because there is no image. We are light. We're quantum. Because see, I have a background in quantum and physics. Okay, let's shift a quick second in terms of, let's dive a little bit into the quantum physics, because that's one of my favorite subjects in terms of the unified field. And I've been out there with quantum without any okay. math. How would you explain to one of your students, how old were your students? Some of my, uh, you mean in junior three. high, right? Yeah, they're junior high, right? Yeah. Out there so junior. how, if you were to explain it to a junior higher, how would you define this, the unified field? I would tell them to stand up in front of a whiteboard like I did when the last two classes that came in, I showed them what a world was. A world? Oh, yes. I showed them how the aura worked, how the electromagnetic field is. Mm -hmm. I said, we've got massives. And I stood there and sister said, I cannot believe you're going to teach them that. I said, absolutely. You're talking about our aura that comes out of our... Well, it's going to come out like this, but it goes down into the bottom. Into your... 
yeah, back and up, then it starts yes. rotating, and then you've got mm-hmm. them going around this way, and then you got it mm-hmm. going up. You've got all kinds of things going on electrically as well mm-hmm. as magnetically. And when you're doing that, well, when I teach this, this is exactly what I teach. How to use this because you're empowering people to of the light, not of the uh, the flesh. The flesh mm-hmm. is just the vessel. It's you the material. Yeah. This is the ship. This is the ship. You're laying mm-hmm. in your ship, basically. Or yep. I used to say I was laying in my coffin because you can feel the boundaries. Mm-hmm. I'm not move that and then but once you learn that you can really move your body and you can heal your body and do those things but it takes a lot of consciousness you've got to get out of your mind that you can't not do it i I think i think most people have a very hard time separating themselves from their ego's version of themselves because the ego wants to construct something that is bigger and better no, and it's, the, been it's been programmed and yes. trained. right it's a program it's a training it's right. a training to keep you because i see people get sick when you take them down so far in the, mm-hmm. the lower consciousness up to the higher conscious they right. get sick and they get sick and they want to vomit and they want to do because you will go through froth because you have electrical currents that are going off and that will cause them to vomit but it's not the same kind of vomit it's froth it's electrical and when i see them they first come into my house i mean i have some people who flew in and this poor guy just stayed in my bathroom for three days vomiting because he wasn't being honest with himself and that's a soul thing and when he finally came out he'd been here for three days and he said what am i doing wrong i said you're not telling your truth and he was a homosexual and he wasn't willing to bring it forward so he was getting sick inside every time we would touch something that would be even close to that or his secret, it would make him sick. This is how it works, guys. It's so simple and it's so easy, but we've made it so complex and it's so in our minds. And we've been so pride programmed to not, well, especially your mind has been so well, well, well uh, programmed because it will stop you immediately if you're going to cut through some of those those patterns because mm-hmm. yeah. i used to get uh, massive headaches when i started going down into my body it would hurt so severely for three days and then it would be gone because i'd break the pattern mm-hmm. and then all of the energy would come up and i would be even better healer because you're no longer enforced into a pattern that doesn't exist anymore for you does that make sense I does yes. sense. This, um, Christopher Dr. Lee was talking about something like that. It's the idea of overthinking and the idea of our body physiologically doing things um, that that cause the stress levels. But we go through these loops again and again and again. Unless, unless you lean in and you you dig in, it's it's not gonna. It's never gonna You're change. Gonna it's always gonna be very surface level. You're never gonna get to where you need I to go. It. It's surface level. You go, I've been down in my body so deep into my little toenails. And I mm-hmm. mean, my little big toe, I stayed in there for almost three months. And they said, that's not possible. Yes, it is. You don't even realize how much you uh, carry information in your toe. <laughs> you know, we, the body. Every is, strand of DNA has everything, everything it needs. Everything that your soul needs yeah. is right yeah. there in your flesh. Right. 
Right. And all it's waiting for is you to raise it up and bring it forward so you can look at all of it. That's why Jesus came to me for 18 months and showed me I was with you. I was there. But Mm -hmm. you've got more going on than just me there. And I thought, really? And it's Mm -hmm. your soul. It's Mm -hmm. the spark of God that you have got already. It's the one that gets in the way. Well, and it's well, and when you've got you two hemispheres, they fight. Yeah. You've got the creative hemisphere and you've got the one that has been programmed and trained. So those fight all the time because you're fighting with your creativity. Once you've learned how to do and I had to learn how to go in and really release all of that. And it took me years to learn to do that. I, I need to stop us for a quick second. I'm going to do this so I cut it out. Um my wife just let me know that she has a call, unfortunately. And so we have a hard stop in 20 minutes. And I want to make sure that we talk about the Council of 12. Okay. And there was and what you do and a little bit about the journey. So let's see yeah. what we can okay. craft into this. I apologize, Virginia. I did not know about this. Um, but unfortunately, I'm going to have to. You can always call me back if you want to. We, yeah, of course. Well, she, her, her, her call is an hour long, so I wouldn't want. Um, no, no, that's fine. Let's uh, let's see what we can cram in. So let me start with this question then, because we talked about this. You shared previously with me that you met the Council of Twelve. Help me understand what that is and what function did it play? Well, I didn't know much about the Council of Twelve either. I had never heard of them either. Um, I'd heard it later, later, but it was when I was coming through the um, you know the ambulance. And I literally was riding on the side and it felt like I had a ponytail at the top. And it was like somebody picked my ponytail up and jerked me up and I went out. I went up and I sat in a room similar to- You left your body. It's like Elijah or Ezekiel. One of them got pulled up by the hair. They pulled up by the top of their head. And that's what it felt like being pulled up. And I got pulled. I mean, it was like I was kind of dangling and they just, (laughs) just set me in a chair similar to this. And I mean, I kept thinking, uh, I think I'm on a chair. Am I on a chair? Were you conscious of an experiential body that was separate no, from the one in the no, ambulance? Well, that's what started when Jeff called, you know, checked me in because I said, they asked, do you see your body? I can feel my body. Yeah. But I, I remember thinking, well, you don't have eyes. Yeah. How can you see? Right. But you can see. You can see right up here. But I was sitting in this chair and I mean, it had beautiful windows. I could see all the Novas. I'd look at my, oh, that's a Nova. Wow. You know, and I would see how things, but I thought, oh my. And then these voices would be in there going, <laughs> and I thought, are they laughing at me? <laughs> <laughs> that's my ego. Now there's mm-hmm. your ego. Why would they be laughing at me? I, I, I'm here. Where am I? I don't know who I am. Where am I? And I would be asking these questions and there was no talking. It was ten, telepathic. Sure. And they go, <laughs> but they were in white robes with the hood over them and it was golden rope. And I knew it was golden and it was real tight. And they would just look at each other, but you'd never see their faces. But they would tell you they sounded like a choir, but sounded one voice at the same time. When you cross over, it's a different experience because you get both sides of everything. So what are they? Are they angels, beings of light? What what are the council? I don't know who they are. Okay. Uh, 
I've been well, there. What function did they serve? Like, what 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 was the experience? Was it they were trying to teach you something, or were they trying to I help you see something? I think I was part of them at one time. That's what okay. I felt when okay. I went up one day after I'd had my near death experience and everything, and things were really getting nasty at my house, mm-hmm. and I I just got out of my own body and I went up and I slammed on their table real loud and I went like that and I said, I'm damn tired of you all messing with me down here. Now, either you get in it with me or you stop. I'm ready to check. And the next thing I know, everything moved differently. It shifted. Okay. But we have that ability if we will be able to understand how that ability is. But you want to make sure you want to do it on the divine level. That's why I said divine order, divine timing, divine plan, make it easy. We have never been told that we can make it easy. It's always been a struggle for my life, for my mother, everything you had to struggle. Mm-hmm. So why are we always struggling? Because we believe we have to struggle. You yes. don't have to do anything. You could go lay down in your couch or in your bed and you go into a meditation and you can create it yourself. And I've done it. Okay. So how did you learn how to do that? Stillness. You have to get everything out of your mind. You've got to lose everything you were ever taught here in this plane, this dimension, because it's not right. But how did you do that? Emptiness to empty your mind is so it's emptiness. Everything out. I had to empty. I mean, I remember now this is how my higher self trained me. Mm They said, you're going to learn to watch that clock. And I laid mm-hmm. down in my bed and I had a water bed at the time. So I love my water bed because you can feel the energy. <laughs> so I'm sitting there and I was looking and it said, always check the clock before you go in. Now, I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, for the first six months, I said, oh, look at the cobwebs. Oh, my God. Oh, my Lord. Is my house? I haven't dusted in a long time. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly. You start. And, I, and I'll go, no, no, no. Get back in. Get back in. Get back yeah. in. And you're going like this, constantly shifting it. And then one day I just took a deep breath and I just kind of went down. I'd seen the clock. I went down. I thought I'd been in maybe five or six minutes. I thought, you know, I came back in and I'd been out for two hours. Wow. And I went, where the hell did I go? And now you've got my, you know, peak my energy and my thought, I'm driving in. So I've stayed in for 16 and 17 because you're not in. When you're in supernatural, there's no time. Mm. There is nothing that keeps you thinking that you're in time. You don't even know you're in time until you come out and you think, I've been here for 16 hours. I didn't but at any time. point, did you lose uh, connection to your own consciousness where you either went into a dream or sleep or you were fully conscious through the entire experience all the time. Yeah. Cause that time doesn't is. exist outside of the material world. No, this doesn't exist right. outside. And, uh, that, and I mean, that's why I knew about the flat earth. That's knew I could, I could, but I could fly when I was a little girl. Sure. I was flying everywhere. My mother said, do not go to any more people's windows. <laughs> And she thought I was crazy, but I said, they're having all kinds of problems over there. I would travel through the town and, you know, and they just thought I was a kid that, you know, was very, uh, an imaginary kid. Bird. Yeah. You're talking about, um, Peter Pan or other yeah. kinds of things, right? Yeah. I had experiences. I mean, I've had two near, de- uh, drownings and a light came in and saved me in the first, you know, the first two. They took me off and took me out of there and said, you're not going to drown. Go back home. 
Okay. So do you ever still talk to the Council of Twelve? Uh-uh. Are they part? No, not anymore. Do now, you think that was you? Like, what's your interpretation of that experience in hindsight? I think I think what it is is I think it was just a. I think they are real. I do think okay. they're real. I think they're just gods that, and that why they would call, cause you got the council of three, you got the council mm-hmm. of six, you've got, you've got all the numbers. So I always look at the numbers like one and uh, 12 would be two and three, one is three. So you're talking mm-hmm. about the three, three mm-hmm. is a much bigger deal than everybody thinks. People don't understand my numbers and they don't understand mm-hmm. how it really works until you really understand how the supernatural works. You'll never understand all the agendas that's going on anyway. Uh, what is that called? We had uh, Demetria, it's, or it's numerology. numerology. It's numerology. Yeah. Are you a numerologist? Do you? I, I'm that? not, but I had to watch. That's why you see one one one. One 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 would come to me, and when I was uh, really mm-hmm. traveling, and we would get lost, I'd say, "Okay, we're lost," and I just say, "Pull over," because I always had somebody riding with me. I walked, I said, okay, we need to get quiet because this is some, and sure enough, a car with one, one, one would come right around. I said, follow that car. And they take us exactly where we need to go. You learn to listen to the universe mm-hmm. is going to teach you more than you'll ever learn down here. And I've got students that are teachers today are teachers because of me. And when I got, they heard my video about me criticizing the schools and the, what they were teaching. They were very upset with me because they said, you're one of the best teachers we ever had. And why are you saying that? I said, because you weren't taught right. Mm -hmm. You weren't taught what I know now. And I said, and they're still angry about it. But you know what? We're going to all be mad. There's going to be a lot of people going to get angry when they start really understanding what they have done to our minds, to our souls and to our abilities with each other. This is people freaking out. It's happening. Yeah, it's happening right yeah. now. I mean, it's yeah. and 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 you're starting to see even with um, X with Elon's thing, you, you the narratives are being questioned. The grand narratives, Virginia, are being questioned, and it's a combination of of technology that allows us to have more viewpoints that are in front of us, and there's something I think underneath when we've been lied to enough times where where we've trusted the government uh, to tell us the way things are. And we're finding out that's not real and that's not helpful. And conspiracy theories used to be like Alex Jones off the deep end. And now it's like, wait a minute, 72% of what is actually. I was was a researcher. That's how I started. Yeah. Because I kept saying, well, Margaret Sanger was what opened my door. Oh, boy. Margaret Sanger. And then when I had to go down and. Planned Parenthood, um, Jonathan. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, Bill Gates, father. He ran it. Oh my gosh. You didn't know that? Oh, no. Let's go get him. He, he's, he's filthy. Well, Bill Gates is all filthy. I do is what we have to do. This is all we have to do is we have to have a group of people that are strong enough to be able to override that. I've been working in Hawaii already. When I saw what they did to the Hawaiians in there, Lahaina. I immediately went in at two o'clock in the morning and I started talking to all the con. The kahunas and their new kahunas, you all, they do not have an understanding like the ancient ones. And they asked me, how do you know this? I said, because I know this. I was given this information a long time ago, but we've all got information. Everybody's got information. We just don't know how to retrieve it. Yeah. Virginia, what is the, what have you 
learn from having to hold information like that because it's a big responsibility seeing so differently. I feel that way all the time in my journey of of learning about love. Like love, people just want love, but very few people really want to love. Yeah, but they don't and know what, what love is. First of all, they have- I no, agree. I agree. I think, I don't think they know what it is. Love and all that. Well, and I was under domestic violence the, fast, the last five years of my marriage. I was married almost 30 years and he had been molested by a priest. Mm-hmm. And the dead priest is what came to me and told me that he couldn't move on. And oh, this is, your husband was involved in Boston. What was the name of the movie? Oh, he wasn't in no, Boston. he was in that group, not in the movie. In yes, he was first group that we spotlight sued we sued the first time they've ever had the church sued before and we won over it was landmark it was landmark yes it was and it was because of me wow yeah it was because of me because the priest told me about it and i my family at that time when i first came out into my near-death experience in 1998 I could see the trees. I could talk to the trees. I could talk to the grass. Mm-hmm. I could take my hand and just tap into the universe and go, whoa. It's like the Matrix. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's not really about the Matrix. Go watch the movie. Contact. No, the visual of no, that. Watch contact, contact. When she sees her yes. coming at her, and that's it looks like. Yes. Well, I knew when I saw it, I had a friend that said, you've got to go see this. Oh, it's a brilliant movie. It One is of the most brilliant movies of all time. You exactly the truth. Mm-hmm. Because you don't need any technology to work yep. out there. Yeah. And they gave them a technology. But I remember when, and same thing about Doctor Strange. When I saw Doctor Strange. I felt the I, same way. Two very dear friends. They know me very well. And they mm-hmm. said, we're taking you. Because I have a real hard time going to the theater anymore. Because the lights and the sound knock me out of my body. And I end up standing most of the time up at the top of the, the people up there eating popcorn all the time. Because I'm, I'm up there and I think, how do I get back in? You have to learn how to get in as much as you have to get back out. It's Virginia, but you feel really, you seem very comfortable with being someone who holds that responsibility. Has it always been like that? Or have you kind of grown into that? I think after what I've seen and what I've witnessed, and the strength that I have, like when you have, you know, when a man comes down, you know, he's going to hit you and he's going to try to rape you. And three times it can't happen. Uh-uh. I know God is right there. I'm not. You've learned worried. to fight for yourself. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's not really, I'm not really fighting anymore. My soul stands right up and you can feel me. Yeah. I mean, I, when I, you, what well, Jesus said, yeah. When Jesus, like there is no droids mixing metaphors there, but it's yeah. like, it's the capacity to say, I'm not having any of this right now. No. And you've reached that awareness because it is awareness. Also, it's most, everybody has it, but you're more aware of that capacity to use well, I it. I the strength that it, it, well, like when I, you know, as you stand up in front of somebody, I mean, I had a 36 year old girl that was attacking me at the age of, I think I was 56. And my partner, that Jeremy's watched me. He said, don't mess with her. And he kept saying it, but not to the girl. He's talking to the girl, to me. So <laughs> you don't know. She might look like she's 56, but you don't want to mess. And I just stood up and I just did my thing. And she backed off and she said, who are you? And I said, don't ever talk to me like that again. And now he says, he said, but you've got that teacher voice. 
He said, everybody will fall for that teacher voice. I said, now she recognized immediately, don't you dare say that to my soul again, because I will not any ever have anybody talk to my soul ever badly, ever again. You've tapped into something that, um, you know, you watch the, um, some of these um, martial arts experts like Bruce Lee, pe- people weighed 140 pounds, but yeah. the power, the, the, the chi energy that they had were to be able to do things or, you know, um, the, the fact that that monk, you know, lit himself on fire many, many years ago to protest the war. And he was obviously in a different place, right, where he was able to just just get burned alive. So. Yeah. Um, he wasn't he, in his body. I can tell you right now, he correct. was not there. He was not present there. Yeah. Is there anything that you would suggest? I mean, I'm. You've absolutely. I, I want to keep talking to you. I want to have. Hey, no, you guys, hold you. on a quick second. My wife is coming up. Let me move to my desk. Okay. Okay. So give me one minute. Sure. Can we just talk to you? <laughs> you guys can keep talking. I'll edit all this out. You really are. You have done some deep work, haven't you? Me? Um, you mean right. like meditation-wise or some kind of... Have you done that? Because I feel like that you understand it better. I've been in, I've been doing transcendental meditation since April. It's a little oh, different. So oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I give you a mantra. I do have my mantra. Yes. Did you pick that mantra? Nope. Wrong. Wrong. Ooh. Wrong. Wrong. I did pick the mantra. You didn't pick that mantra, did you? Did you pick the mantra, or did your master? I I did not choose the mantra. That's right. You didn't. So that is not yours. That is his. And see, I will call you out on that. That's not good. Okay, well, I, this is. I'm glad we're having this conversation now because, according to um, Jonathan, John, Jonathan thinks that I've been doing something that's been very successful for me this year in terms of. Um, I can see you're agitated right now, so maybe we need well, to go down that, because I can't believe that you fail for a master. That I fell for any master here. Go back to Isaiah 2, 22, place no faith with the man who breathes through his nostrils. You know anybody in here that does not have any nostrils? Everybody in here has nostrils. That's right. So you don't even have to atone to anybody here. They're not masters. They're human. Yeah. Uh Uh-uh. See, this is where you and I will judge because, uh-uh. You need to find that out within your soul what that mantra is. That's not yours. That's correct. I know it's not because I work with people. I have to reprogram people for me. All right. Well, I'm glad we had this conversation then. Because yeah, go in there and go and ask yourself, where's my mantra? Yeah, where is my personal mantra? Where is it? You don't have one. Somebody's given you one. That's not God's. That's a man. That's a master. So let me ask you this. This is, um, and we, we don't have to record this. We could record this, but I guess the question I'll cut it out if you want me to. But well, you, you're probably going to make a lot of people mad because I'm, I'm telling you what I feel. I mean, you got to follow what you feel, but oh, I know. No, that. I, I am absolutely, listen, one of the things that's happened to my life is that I've had to realize that my head has been where I've been led. 
I need to go into my heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to go back into your heart and you need to find out what your truth is. You need to do a session with me. Let's do it. It's a date. I'm going to Louisville. There. I'll take you there because you've got to find out who you are. You cannot expect anybody else to give you that information, but your, your soul, your spark. Why do you think my yogis go into India that they come back here and then they sit and talk to me and they say, how come you're so different in your spirit than theirs? I said, because you have a master there. I'm not going to be your master. I want you to find that within you. That's a different ride. All right. So this is official. We're going to have a session. All right. And uh, I, I don't know if I, 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 it would be better for me to fly there. I'll fly there. I would love to see you come down because people fly in to stay with me for a weekend. They stay in your bathroom for three days, clearly. (laughs) Well, they won't. That was at the very beginning. (laughs) My my frequency was so high that it was really. But I have now understand after 20. I've been doing this for 25 years, guys. So I've, I've learned a lot of things in the past and I would never, ever to sell your soul any day because I'm going to come back. It is going to come back to me. Virginia, here's the beautiful, the beauty of what just happened is I know Rich well enough to know he knows it comes from love and he's deeply wrestling inside right now Mm. on what to shift. He's not digging in his heels at all. He's very much, that has been our journey this entire year And it really culminated in this podcast. This is where we kind of explore it. And so I know inside he's very much chewing on it because it's, it's a shift because he was taught one way and then you're suggesting another way. So there's that shift that has to be made still just learn what it is when you, he's definitely in, I can, I can guarantee you that. Well, but what I'm saying is this is, the only one that shifts anything in your mind is you. Mm-hmm. So when you are shifting it, you need to learn to get really still within yourself and let it shift on its own for the soul to shift it. Your consciousness cannot do that on a lower level. Only the consciousness of the spirit can. Because the spirit is the one that starts with love. That and well, says you're worth it. Well, it's really when you say love, the word love doesn't even exist where I've been. I agree because it's not part of the unified field. Not, the unified we, field is a co-join of any, any dichotomy. Yeah, but remember, I was an English teacher. So I sat down and mm-hmm. I started studying the English in a different way. We're not speaking English either. We're speaking spells. Spelling. Look right. at all the things. You've got, you've got things that are going on in your mind that you think you're, you're right, but you're not. Because you don't have words. Words are flat. It's the energy behind the word that says it or the voice. The power of the voice is the most strongest thing you have. And then it goes right into the heart. Now, if your voice is not connected to the heart, this is going to sound much worse. So when you drop your voice down into your heart, there's a different voice, a different tone. So I've experienced that. Yeah. I can't make it happen, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, well, I can drop it down. When I need to talk to somebody from the heart, I drop in and I looked at them. And I mean, I can, ra- I can raise my frequency high enough to where they'll, sh- they'll shift. 
And we are shapeshifters. We're doing everything totally different. I mean, this is, I mean, I can't believe that most people haven't caught on to it, but I've been doing it for 25 years. I think what is, it's got to be collective consciousness. Maybe it's happening now. I mean, there's people that are always ahead of the game, um, you know, Virginia. I, I think in terms of, you're already an iconoclast, right? You, you're always, you're, you're breaking, you're a breaker of idols. You're always, you're not a rebel. Well, maybe you are, but. Yeah, I'm a rebel. Yeah. And so I'm a rebel. I think it's fair. I mean, we don't want to be sheep, right? I think nobody wants to be a sheep, but at the same time, you don't also don't want to be the lone wolf out there, you know, not knowing everything. And maybe that, maybe that people want to be in that. Well, I space. But I was a sheep at one time. Yeah. Because of the programming that I was in, in my house and uh, my mother being afraid and my father watching my father die. And I literally saw him from the age of 11 to 16, watch them kill my father. Yep. And I have a real problem with the medical field. I have a problem mm -hmm. with people about death because I was 16 years old screaming in the University of Kentucky at their medical you know, facility, yelling at their, we need to do something with this. Now, what are you doing? They didn't want to talk about death. They didn't want to talk about life. They didn't want to talk. They just wanted to get it done. And I've, I recognize that. And I had a problem with uh, death. And I remember when I was, my father was dead and he was going down in the ground and this little voice said, I will never love another man like this again. And mm -hmm. I meant it. And those are things right there that block you right there from a child's point of view. Do you know, I work with lawyers. I was a profiler for lawyers. And it was like having six-year-old, I mean, sixth-grade um sixth grade boys in ties and suits acting like they were adults. And I would say to my, uh, the born, the man I was working with, I said, he said, how do you figure this out? I said, they're easy. They're just, I used to sit in a room and I'd take all the notes and then I'd go, then we go out and I said, you're going to have to change it over here to get the energy here, to get the energy over there. That guy's lying. And, and that's how I worked. He said, how do you know that? Well, that he wanted me to go to a law school. And he said, why don't you teach this in law? I said, because they don't want me to teach it in law. You, I can't hear you. I, sorry, I had on, myself on mute. Um, you can't. The law eliminates passion. It's a purely mental ascent towards love, but it can never get to the frequency of love because it's always placed in logic. It cannot add the dimension of the heart. So it's always going on here. And it's why it, it doesn't satisfy. Well, it's, but it's it, impossible it's set up to by the world demand. What's That's, that? It's, it's set up by the world demand. Well, it's it, a masculine system. Yeah. It's a purely masculine system. Well, and it also goes all the way back to the middle ages. I mean, they knew exactly what they were doing when they didn't have scribes. Let's go all the way back to Egypt, Egyptians. I've worked with the Egyptians. I've worked all the way back through there. I've been with Alanis. I've already, I know a lot of my stuff that I got to yeah. see. And I messed up a lot of things, you all. I mean, I did well, that's part of the journey is the discovery process. I think that's the thing that I enjoy the most about following Jesus is that I get to start with grace. Like, when you realize the immensity of this journey, you get to start with grace. And that allows you to have all the failures you need to learn to get to a good state of awareness to realize. You know what grace really is. What's that? When you say grace, you said the word grace. What's grace mm -hmm. really? 
Grace to me is the personification of both sides together. It's the reality of the duality. It's the recognition that in the unified field, there's no disconnect because it's a both and. When you get into the material world, you have a both, you have a either or, and we tend to choose both either or. But you're very and, much in your mind. Oh, totally. I, that's I, I'm dominated by my mind. I have, yeah, and so that's the thing that because when you're in your mind here, <laughs> to me, what grace was is <laughs> when I really recognized that God loved me deeper in my whole beingness. And it was. Well, that's what I was trying to communicate. I think that's the difference. The feminine is always describing in terms of feeling, and the masculine is describing in terms yeah, of seeing. I disagree with you on that. I disagree because when I was looking at it, I was experiencing it through the love of God. That yeah, because you were in the supernatural. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that's where grace is, is in the supernatural, because we're saying grace. But I would ask people every time. What does grace mean? Well, I, you know, I really don't know what grace means. Well, yeah, I do. It's how you feel good when you do something really, really mm-hmm. good. And you've done something well and you know you've done. You don't tell me that's not grace. That's grace. Every time I would find something in my heart that I recognized that I was against myself, it would open my heart even wider to feel the healing go through my body. That's grace for me. You know, it's a whole different experience when you're thinking it. So I I actually wrote this down on my walk the other day. This is what I wrote. Grace is the space of compassion that leads to responsibility. That's one you need to use. It's more simpler and it's exact. Yeah. Yeah. I know that I'm dominant. I'm a masculine man. I grew up with male uh, mental dominated. That's kind of, that's the thing that we talk a lot about is, Gender is this. Masculine. What's I, that? I was very masculine. I was a masculine oh, woman. Yeah, but I'm not, I didn't know what that was because my father was not it's here. Energy. Yeah. yeah it's it, not gender. It's energy. That's how I now experience it. Is that, that's okay. Let it go. So the masculine is bent towards responsibility, uh-huh. and the feminine is bent towards compassion. But see. When you go out of this realm. Exactly. In this material realm. Yes. Because we're always living in the dichotomy. It's duality. It's it's duality. The only reason why why Jesus Christ came to see me in the first place Mm -hmm. is to show me that that's not who he is. Mm -hmm. Because that's not who I am. That's not who you are. We have really taken on this uh, thought process. Of that's who we are. We're not this at all. And you can move in and out because I can walk. I mean, I have a window right there and I go through that window on a daily basis. And that's what I was dancing with God up there. And that's when I came back down and that I met Jeff. And within 15 minutes, I've got 465,000 friends <laughs> <laughs> that I didn't want. You want to understand? I, I have clients. I have plenty of clients. So we were just laughing. I thought, wow, boredom is not what you want to go to God with. No. You know, but I was dancing. I was like, oh, man, I don't think we need to do something. I'm a little bored. Let's do something. Now I'm saying this. I walked right out. And now my body's sitting right here in this chair because I can turn around and see my body. But I was out there dancing in the universe with God. And I said, you know, I think we need to do something a little, spice it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
just spice it up. Virginia, yeah. how do you help people? Well, they would that comes in on each individual case. Okay. I'm going to have to read their uh, soul. Their soul mm -hmm. will tell me exactly what, and they'll tell me exactly what they need. They're not going down deep enough. They're not willing to listen to this. And that's what I do is I start there. And sometimes people fly in here for a weekend and they completely shift out totally because you've been sitting in my energy for over 48 mm -hmm. hours. Right. And that's a whole different ball game. See, I'm just learning to do that. I, I have become aware of my capacity to project energy and control the room only about a year. And it's a really weird experience because I don't think I have in any way mastered it, but it happens when I participate in it. I can't control it. And it's a very weird experience to elevate energy in a room. Well, when I'm a when I was a motivational speaker is what, the way I was, I had to raise everybody up to my level because they would never heard me. That's what you saw on the second video because they couldn't hear me because I'm talking so fast because I'm on a different frequency than they mm -hmm. were. And it was very obvious that I was way on the second when I knew, when I told Jeff, I said, this is going to be different for them. That's why they've been really nasty and they've been saying, because they're not on the same frequency. And when you're out of your own frequency, you immediately do not feel it. I feel it. What I do is I just start raising the frequency up for me because that makes everybody equalizing in there. So my Good. question has to be thinking of the Israeli Hamas conflict right now where there's clear division, right? There's, there's lots of division all across the America right now, right? We see it. It's in politics, left versus right. How do we come to That's this? Place? Jesuits. It's What's the that? Jesuits? It's the it's the Jesuits. They're to blame? You've never had, if you go do your research on the Jesuits. Well, I know that they're tied into the Rosicrucians very likely and in the Illuminati. They're all a part of this. And so is Israel. And if you look at Israel, that is ISIS. It's not even, that's not even a nation. And Trump was involved with that. And when they do that Israel thing, that goes, that drives me right over the edge because that's just another one of the wars that they're going to use on all of us. And that's in the Bible, but that's not the same Bible. So we don't break through. We don't try to figure out a way as humans to get in there and help bring people to be unified. We just have to let it do its own cause. It, well, but first of all, if they, are they in your backyard? No. Nope. Uh, they they are close to you. There, there's no. news, news people think that people coming across the border are actually um, sleeper cells because they're young, 20 year old, unaccompanied males. That's called fear. Okay. That's called fear. They know how to, they know how to use fear. They're, they're programmers. They know exactly how to cause all of this. Also, they know how, like my father, uh, let's go back to World War II. I went to, because I've done all of this. I've done every bit of it all the way down. Every bit of it is from the control for we to be in fear so they can run us where they need to run us. I agree. And when I saw the pandemic, I'd already, I started telling all my clients, do not buy that. Do not get into that shot. Do not do that. That's going to have this, 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 and this. I did it. I even told them about Avermatin because I was a veterinarian specialist. I worked with horses and dogs. I knew about Avermatin. I've known about it. And I said, well, it's parasites. We're all under parasitical uh, invasion. And they know exactly what they're doing. 
Because in the 60s, we had to have a parasitic uh, medicine every six months. Now, I wonder why all of a sudden that changed. Think about what they've done. Yeah. Now, one thing they did that uh, my grandfather did to me, and this shocked the hell out of me, but was this. When I was about seven years old, and this was in Hartford, Kentucky, a very small little town, even more so than mine, and uh, they had gotten a slaughterhouse, and that was a big deal. So he thought it would be very interesting to have his six-year-old granddaughter to go to the slaughterhouse, and they shot a cow in front of me. Oh, God. I cut my third eye off completely. Yeah. And those are tree dend- dendrites. Go back and look at that because that's a dendrites. That's the ones that get shot, sawed off just like a lay, you know, uh, lumber. That's try, you know, trauma that causes that. So when you understand trauma, then you understand how to recreate the current uh, electrical currents to bring that back up in the third eye. And this is this is what I studied. This is all electrical, all uh, magnetism, and I learned how to maneuver it, how to move it over, come back down, get it through but, my body. And that's Virginia, why you have Reiki, right? Well, I'm, I'm a Reiki master, but I don't do Reiki anymore because it's okay. so much higher consciousness. It's a much okay. bigger. But now that was a look, that was a master in that, and that was a uh, thing that kept saying, "You fix me." It kept tapping into my head, and I thought, there's somebody in my head. And it's these little, they said what they were, were Reiki, uh, uh, Reiki, something Reiki. And I thought, they shouldn't be in my mind. That shouldn't be. So I immediately took all of the symbology, because I knew all the symbols, and I moved them. I left them, I put them out of my body. You got to be careful with what you're seeing and what people are telling you. You know, oh. just like when you got a mantra, I would never let anybody in where I, my you know, in my body like that unless I knew them really well. Well, because you don't know, and you've got magicians, honey. You got ma- you got black magicians that are better than you'll ever understand. <laughs> Well, I think it's fair to say you're the person who taught you that is fairly safe, but mm-hmm. I understand what you're saying is it, ultimately you want your own that you come up with because yeah. that's, that's yeah. your soul. Your right. soul is going to be the your one soul that, telling you that sense. Yeah, yeah. And it will talk to you and your organs will talk to you. My heart talked to me when my heart uh, was so damaged. I said, wow, I was so angry because I was very healthy. And it said, well, I did it because I didn't want you to get upset. You were just stuffing, I just stuffed it all in your heart. And I thought, you stuffed it in my heart. And it felt like a, um, like a ticket, you know, that you have at a butcher co- uh, shop that, you know, you have those little tickets. You, uh, yeah, you, you pull buy. the number, right? Yeah. Well, that's what it felt like. And I just went, well, then take them out. And I went, and it just, and I did. I went, and I thought, what was that? And it said, that's what you've been holding on to. It wow. ripped it off. I saw it. But I've seen things come off, pull it off. I've seen my face change. I've seen myself go in the mirror. You all need to do mirror work. That's looking right at your soul. Look at your aura. Learn about your aura, uh, the electromagnetic field, whatever you want to call it. I sat and studied it because everything in there tells you exactly what you've gone into, what you are expecting, and what diseases you're going to bring in. It's right there. 
and the colors make a difference. You know, I don't I don't see chakras anymore because that is so much that's small. This is so much bigger. When you're out there, it doesn't really matter. I just could go in and figure it all out. Virginia, how would you define trauma? Well, trauma to me is anything that shocks you out of your body to the point that you can't even recover. Mm. It's a recovery. Yeah, that, that feels right. Yeah. yeah it feels similar to what I was thinking. There's, there's fragments that are missing. And mm. when I work with children with, uh, and, and I work with kids that have been traumatized badly. And so when I work with them, I've got to teach them how to do this. But the minute they learn how to ground and breathe, we don't have any problems because they now know they have power and they have control of that power. And so consistently, they can go back to it again and again. And then they know they, they, they know it in their being. That's exactly. And I, when I teach children, when I have kids, well, at high school, especially, they'll still bring kids to me. Mothers, they say, no, we're going in to see Jenny. They, they, they don't, they're not kidding you, right? And so I just start doing, working with them and they're bad kids. They said they're bad kids. There's not a bad kid. They just are not misunderstood. They're misunderstood. They didn't know how to work that. They're too small in their mind to think what's really going on. I remember a kid came in and they were going to send him out of high school and the mother brought him here. And I sat down and I said, you're a sensitive. And this is what's going on to you. I mean, cause I want all the sensitive children. They need to be coming to people like me so we can start training them now because they're being, they're being ripped to pieces and they're sensitive. I'm a sensitive. Are so you I saying don't... like shining, like we're like in the, in the movie, the shining that people are able to sense stuff like that, like that clairvoyance and, and more in tune with it. Yeah. It's helping better than, I mean, I knew about it much better when I was younger. I well, knew. Yeah. Yeah. You're I knew it. yeah. Because you're innocent. Correct. When I was default molested, mode network hasn't kicked in yet. The default mode network, yeah. No, but I was molested at the age of seven. Now, what, how it was, I wasn't penetrated, but I, the shock of his penis and what he was saying to me, shoo, yeah, gone. Fragmented. Doesn't require penetration. Yeah, it's just you don't have. And I have to ask children a lot of times, were you physically touched? No. And then they just dismiss them. No, you can feel like you've been molested just energetically. And this is where psychologists and social workers do not do understand this. I do work with them telling them you better understand how to do this on a different level. Because this is really the truth. Yeah. So I I have a real, you know, because I've been a social worker and Mm -hmm. I've been a teacher and I can see where both sides are not. They're not they're not right. They're not correct. Because they're still not treating what they need to treat. And that means they have to find the child's soul. We have to penetrate the soul. You're not going to ever get through the flesh until you get to the soul. And that's why they don't. Why do you think they want the soul so bad? Why do you think they? All right, this I had a young man that was Mormon. He came in. He was doing a documentary on me. Now, he never met anybody like me. Okay. <laughs> There's not many people like you, Virginia. No, there isn't. There's not very many. But he was like thrown. He was also he's um, he was autistic. He is on the end of autism, autistic. And so um, I looked at him and I said, and he was having problems with pornography. He was having problems by ma- masturbating, 
And, you know, I, I don't have any problems with this. You know, I deal with this kind of shit all the time. So, you know, I mean, people, I mean, murderers, everything, you know, after you go through it, it's like, okay, let's see what that's all about. So I was looking at him and he said, I, I can't talk to you like this. I said, honey, I'm a professional. So I started, but you know what I had to do? I grounded him and I showed him how to breathe. He hasn't had any problems with pornography or anything else. He's been scared to death because he's not grounded. Mm-hmm. Now we were talking, I said, I want to ask you about this because this is when the uh, Israel came to the Mormons. Did you know about this lawsuit? During the reign of Zedekiah, the Mormons came across the Atlantic and set up shop with well, the Jews, set up shop here. When they took the all of the uh, Jews in World War II, and they took all their souls and they put them in their temple. In what? The Mor- oh, they baptized them on, 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 be- on behalf of them. They, they baptized they on, on, the their death, on their behalf. They put them in their temple. You got to understand, they've got a temple. They went into their temple and they took every name of every soul that was Jewish in World War II. They put them in their temple. Now, then the Jews came in and said, we want our souls back. Now, why in the world would they be fighting over the souls if they weren't a big deal? It's us, our souls. They don't care about our flesh, guys. They care about our louche. That's that's what they want. What is louche? Louche is what they use energetically. <sighs> they take your essence, and I've sat and watched okay. them. There's a movie that does that, that's done something similar. I, I can't remember all your movies. I, those three years that I had, I took all the time and watched every agenda mm-hmm. on every movie that I'd ever witnessed from the age of eleven all the way up to here. Well, you know they're putting it in front of us already. If you actually look at the Matrix, 9-11 is on Mr. Anderson's passport. It's right there. I mean, all this stuff. Oh, is in the uh, 60s. He's got a book. Uh, uh, I think it's a magazine. It has 9-11 on it. That I know was exactly in- what you're talking about. You not understand. This, these people know what they're doing. They've been mm-hmm. doing this for centuries. But they don't want us to wake up because, let me tell you, if we wake up and they're like me, that'll scare the hell out of them. Because well, that, I, yeah, you you it eventually can't win. You know, it's well, a very it's not, small group of people who they can do ultimately have no love. Yeah, we've got a lot of people that have look at everybody. I never thought the people my age would have gone to the pandemic. They all rolled in as fast as they could. We've been programmed not to do that. We went into yellow journalism. We had nuclear war. We had, they were used in the 60s big time. And then you got all the Beatles stuff. You've got everything that the CIA did to us. Everything. That's my cat's hair. You got to look at all of this. I've done 25 years of this research. And when I got into the Jesuits, because I kept thinking, how can this work? Why can people be this mean and just take out people the way they did, like 9-11 or go into Turkey or go into Iran? How can they do that? Because they don't have a soul. And who they honor is the Pope. And since we and since I was Catholic, I know the history of the Catholic Church. And I went to the Catholic priest at my parish and said, you have a Jesuit on the seat of a Pope. 
that should have never been there and it should never been there for six years, 600 years it wasn't there. How come we got one now? He need, I looked right at him, I said, you are a Jesuit, aren't you? And he wouldn't answer me. Hmm. Because he knows, and I mean, he knows when I, after, I went after him because he wanted me back to the Catholic Church. Wrong person. Has he always been bad, even with Ignatius Loyola? Always yes. from the beginning, it's always been bad news, huh? Constantine was a pagan. Get up, get. They're druids, they're magicians. I've been to England. I know exactly how it works down there. And that's what I'm saying. That's why they don't like me to be into a situation. They don't want me around, especially that uh, shaman. When, I, when they saw that I could see what they were doing, I sat and watched a man take the essence off one of my students. He walked right over to her and she went, and she went into a limp. And I went right after him. You know what my higher self told me or spirit told me? Give it to him free because they want to steal it. They don't want anything to give it free. So I just walked all around and said, here, take it, take it. He said, no, no, he ran. He left. Why? Why? Why would my higher self tell me that when it put me under danger like that? Because God knew better than them and they knew that. And when they found out I was a seer, which when they see that I can see the things better than them, that's when they leave. Yeah. I will take care of the children and I'll take care of people that are being uh, mis- 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 mistreated or not taken care of. But I will not. Ma- now, some of these people that are coming in to see me that um, they're desperate. I said, if you're desperate, you don't need to be me. I don't need desperate people. I need people who are courageous. And the only reason why that video has gone the way it is because I'm courageous enough to stand up for my truth. Got anybody out there talking like that (laughs) about Jesus? You know, no, I didn't care what they thought about me. I know what I am and I know who I am. When you know this, guys, you don't have to worry about that bullshit anymore. Yeah. And I'm very at peace with me. So what do you think happens after we leave this body permanently? Because that will eventually happen. What do you think happens? I think I think you just you. Do you think it's karmic where it continues to repeat until you let go or? I think just one and done. I think, well, my father made it very clearly. He said, hell is here, Jenny. Oh, yeah, that is true. Yeah, it is here. Here. And I had to really look at it because I've been in hell. I literally I told you at 16, I did not have God anymore and I did not have Jesus anymore. And when I walked through, I mean, I saw some really crazy things in college. Let me tell you, there was a lot of drugs. I wasn't doing any LSD. I did marijuana. I still like marijuana. I think it's for you. Well, well, but marijuana, let me know reason why, because I work with people that have been trafficked. And then you know what the first thing they said? They would never let them have marijuana because it breaks the patterns. Why do you think negatively or positively? What do you mean by that? When you break your patterns, when you go in such a deepness, you can pull all those patterns out. They don't exist anymore. You can go through. So I use, I do brownies, but I don't go in like stoned. It's not the same kind of thing. I was stoned in, you know, the seventies. 
It's not like that here. It's the narrow road, guys. You're talking about left and right. Why don't we look at here in the center? That's the, that's the narrow road is right in the center. So you've got to have both sides and you've got to be here mm -hmm. in the center. That's the narrow road. That's the Bible. It's a, great, it's a great metaphor. I really like it because it it we were talking about this, that life in this world is experiencing polarities of you know good and evil or whatever the polarity is and we had a guest on who was a nihilist of all things and said i want to find the space between a christian and a nihilist that meet in the middle and understand we're almost exactly the same but slightly different but that space is where connection can happen I think That's she came out of nihilism, right. Jonathan. She she spent some time in That's nihilism right. and she kind of came out of it a little bit on the other side, almost deconstructed okay. out of it. But yeah. But in many but ways, it's that space. Journey. That's that thin line between the dichotomies. Because this is simply a dichotomy. That's all it is. But you'll never get And I like your idea. In the middle, right? Right? That like center the line. Road. Go read the Bible. The Bible is exactly what I said. It is the, there's a Bible within the Bible. And once you, you're walking through the Bible every day, the Bible is real. It's alive. It is the real deal. And so think of all of the instances you've had today that would not fit into the Bible's lessons today. Just us. We're triangled ourselves in. We've got a triangle going on. Okay. Now we've got me as a point because you two are on the base. So if I'm the point, what are you asking me to do for you? I'm not sure I'm following you. Re reveal to us what we already know. Well, if I'm the point, you got to look at a triangle. So you all still think in words. I want you to think about it because I did a geometry out in the universe because you don't need mathematics. Mathematics is because it works down here. But feel, okay, if you can, you feel the triangle? Yeah. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm envisioning it, I can feel it. Okay, I want you to feel it. Don't visual it. Feel it. Can you yeah, feel it? I can can feel you it. feel my heart? My, if I'm point, I'm putting energy through your all's heart. Can you feel it? Yes. Now, that is all I need to know about a Christian and a man or another person. That. Why do we even have to? Well, that's that? the resonance. Yeah. No, it's, it's, that is it. This. This is all God ever asked us to do is this. Mm -hmm. Not talk. Go back in the Bible. If you're talking more than yes or no, you're out already. It's right there. It's so right there in your face what the Bible's telling you. We speak too much words, too much in the mind. I mean, I, I used to have a vocabulary that was beyond, and I used to use it a lot for, you know, people that really is, irritate me or bitch me out or something. I was going to use my words. And I mean, I, you can cuss them out and they'll go, mm, and then you're thinking, but who did you win? Really? You have a grin on your face thinking you didn't even know what the hell I was talking about. But that when I had my strokes, you all, I went to two strokes. I have two strokes, did not go to the hospital on either one of them mm. and did it myself. But spirit, spirit did it. Said, you need to learn to do this. I had to learn how to move. I had to bring everything because it was a blood. Uh, it was bleeding. I bled all the way yeah. down between my ankle. I felt it. And I was with a client. 
And she sit and watch me walk out of my body, go back out of my body, come back in and come back in and got back in again. She said, I saw it. But that's why I said, my friends that have been with me, they said, everything she says is right. She's been <laughs> with us because I see things differently. Like I go to the ley lines. I can go out and find every ley line that we need to find out because every church in Italy or in Europe, in Europe, they're all on ley lines. Those are generators. They're taking out our generators. You all better wake up because they're doing it. What lines? The ley lines, L-E-Y, ley lines. That's where they're going through all of that while you did the globe thing. That's the telluric, you're talking about the telluric currents underneath that are tapping into that. That's what, that's what dolmens are. That's what the Eiffel Tower is. They're all kinds of antenna, if you would. Yes. They're generators. And that's why they're trying to get them out. It's all coming together. Travis would love to talk to Virginia. This is all about, um, have you ever heard of a book called Foucault's Pendulum? It's by Umberto Eco. He talks all about this, but he comes at it from an agnostic standpoint, thinking that this is all a bunch of the conspiracy, the, the actual Jesuits created the conspiracy so that it would seem to be that as opposed to, yeah, they're, they're in charge the whole time, of course. Majorly because they're magicians. And I mean, listen, why would a lady from Dubai come to visit a woman from Kentucky? Why would she want? Because she wants me to come to Dubai because she is a part of the Rose Society. You know what the Rose Society is? The, the Rosie Cross? The Order well, of the... Not there. Well, that's not... They're part of that. But they wanted me to come in so that I could help them. I don't need to go to Dubai. Those magicians knew exactly what they were doing. They put a desert into a city. Come on. I mean, I know the magicians. I've met them. And they're good. They're so good that I, they almost caught me a couple of times because I can go to D.C. and I've taken a group of people in their, out of their body to D.C. and I had to take them back because we had somebody waiting for me at the portal. They knew that we were coming in. There's so much stuff going on in D.C. and I have boots on the ground everywhere you can possibly. All I have to do is call a client and you need to go over and I want you to see if this is true. If we don't start listening to truth, finding out the truth, then we're going to be lied to on and on and on and on. Virginia, do you think that that spell can be broken? Yes. Do you think we're, so there's, there's the idea of the age of Aquarius, which is a shift from the masculine to the feminine. Do you think that that's going to happen in our lifetime or is it just going to gradually roll out? I never thought I'd be this long. I thought I'd be dead by now. <laughs> uh, I mean, I just had that heart attack just a year ago. October 3rd. You're uh, still here. Uh, I'm still here. And uh, well, they couldn't believe it. I mean, I walked out 24 hours later. But do you have a sense of why you're still here? Because I'm not finished. Yeah, clearly. But, but it's, but you, do you understand like what's not finished or you're just waiting for it to roll out and you're comfortable? Because I think that's a healthier approach. I don't, I don't worry about anything, but what's no. going on right now. Because right. right now is the Here only now. thing you can change right now. Mm -hmm. In the past, and you'll mm -hmm. hear me say this, to, to, if you're in the past, you're already gone. If you're yeah. in the future, it doesn't exist. So where are you going to be right now? Because the only power you have is right now. That's yeah. why I said when people come together, we need to be in this together. But you, mm -hmm. can, you can be all over the world. But if we all know how to connect, and you do, 
I mean, I know how to connect. I, to, I connect to everybody in my clients. I could be anywhere I want to be. All you have to do is get out of your own mind. And most of the people want to know how to do it. And I said, all you have to do is start watching your name. I mean, uh, daydreaming. Think about how many times you daydream. Mm -hmm. You're out of your body, aren't you? You're not in your body. You're not in your mind. You're out here. I watch kids do that all the time, especially in the spring. When my sixth and seventh and eighth graders, all those little you know kindergartners out there playing, and I'll sit there and I'll watch them, and they're gone. They're got their bodies exist, but their minds are out there playing. So I have to go, come back to me, come back to me, come back to me. And I, you know, and sister, we used to say, why do you do that? Us because they're no longer there. And I knew that because I didn't have to die to know that because I used to be out all the time. I live most of the time out of my body. So, yeah. What do you do? What do you do when you live out of your body? Go out and dance with God and get bored. That's what happens to you. You got to be, you know, I have, I have hundreds and hundreds of cards out. And when I'm really bored, I'll just say, I'm calling all my cards in and people will call from all over the world. Say, my God, that was so weird. Have you calling cards? Because that's what they know when I say, I'm calling cards. And they'll say, that card just fell right in the, the floor. I'm calling you. Because I've told them, I said, if you get a message from me, call me. And I get a well, Okay. Here's an interesting question for you. Because I think that's quantum entanglement. It is. That at, a, at, a, at an energetic level, we're all quantum entangled. But so not I everybody has the phone up to their ear. Well, How do you become a person that puts the phone up to their ear? By the, them coming here, me teaching them how to ground, balance, connect. It's ground, mm -hmm. balance the heart, and connect to the universe. And then mm -hmm. expand yourself and you move everything out. It's just like three pillars. One goes this way, one goes this way, one goes this way, one goes back there. So then you have all the space. And then you run the energy of space through. And you're free. When Down you talk about grounding... Are you talking about literally like being barefoot on the ground? Are you talking about doing things that... that no, I'm talking about you go all the way down into the earth and Mother Earth will grab you, your energy field, and take you right down to the center and she'll anchor there and then you use her. Then you'll pop back up, you'll come straight up and you'll anchor yourself up into the universe because you're the link between God and the earth. Is it more than just actually going to the beach and tapping into the beautiful sand and, and soaking up the sunset? Or is there something more intentional that nope, you can that's tap it. into? That's it. It's, that's it. it's yep. very, very, there's not, you know, I remember when I was studying Reiki and I could think this is too complicated. It, you know, when you cannot do it yourself, I just would look at it. And that's what I did is that's how I studied my body is I had all the uh, anatomy books. I had hundreds and I sit down and I'd look at them and I think, okay, how would that feel? How would I be feeling of it? And then all of a sudden it was like, I felt that, <laughs> you know, and then my, then there would be a voice that would come in. Cause I used to see people laying on a table and I'd say, your, your gallbladder is out because you don't, you don't like corn and, he said, yes, I do like corn. I said, you shouldn't be drinking, you know, eating corn because it's fresh corn and it's causing your gallbladder to go bad. And he went, I just came back from the doctor and he said that <laughs> right there. You know, I see it differently because I don't allow myself to get involved with this world here.
Mm-hmm. I go into a different world. That's why they can they can do that. I can do the things I can do because I don't stay in this world much. I mean, I stay here, but I'm not there. Guys, you, this is something we need to be teaching. I'm sorry. We need to have people more like me out there teaching, like Jeremy and I going out there. We need to start doing conferences on it, but we're not going to be doing. We I like silence conference. I don't want music. I don't want anything. Everything here has been a lie. All your music, everything has been programmed. Everything. Well, I think that what's changed is um, the Technology is all is caught up to that story. That's what Rich was talking about earlier on Instagram. That's where I kind of live. Uh, less on Facebook because Facebook and I don't see it as much on Twitter. Rich maybe, but it's the um, it's the story is controlled by the frequency of how many videos kids are watching, oh, yeah. and you the capacity to change that story. It comes down to the Me Too movement. That was the first. I was in the Me Too movie. Yes, yeah, you were. That was the first time something shifted so radically in such a short period of time. And that was a new awareness for everybody. Look what they did with the women in that, with the clitoris hats. Yeah. Come on, people. Yeah, I didn't see that part. I was, but... I was like, I mean, oh, I had people that called me and said, are you not going to go to the parade? I said, I'm not wearing one yeah. of those hats. And it's all part of Pussy Riot. Remember that? That thing? is another program. Yep, yep. And they took that Me Too and they flipped it around everybody again through programming. I was furious because my, my Me Too saved my life in my college. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know if you all ever heard that one. I'm because I did see, but it. that's that's why I think we're at a point in history where the technology, which has been developed for control, is actually empowering people to change their story much faster. Because there is a massive community on Instagram that is a lot like you. Really, they may be saying it. Oh God, yes, it's huge. My oh. entire algorithm is tuned to people like you. Yeah, see, I don't. I'm not into that or TikTok right. or that. But that's going to be the channel in which that change, I think, happens because it's quicker. The brain processes visual imagery a lot faster than reading or or hearing. And I don't know about that. I really. I think the video processing helps people process it much faster because it comes in waves. They literally go from scroll to reel to reel to reel to reel to reel, and they're watching. Not everybody, but there is a subset of it. From this video that I've done, and I mean, Mm -hmm. I've got hundreds of them on there. Yeah. From two, 2012. But I look at that and I was saying the exactly the same thing. I've been saying the same thing for mm-hmm. 25 years. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, what it is, it's not because of the words I said. And it's what I say. It is the strength that I said it mm-hmm. and I stood in it and I wasn't afraid to speak about it. Yep. Yeah. It's that, the courage. It, it, it took courage. That's what we need. Folks, we don't need well, Dr. Hawkins, Dr. Hawkins said in 2003 was the first time humanity lived above 200. And I think we're now shifting higher, but it's a very slow, gradual process, but it becomes a flywheel eventually. He was, oh, he's awesome. To me, he's one of the most important people in this day and age. That there is how much of uh, your death experience it was. It's over 600 or something. Yeah. He had one. Yeah. 
and he un- he understood it, but he understood mm-hmm. it scientifically. I yeah, understand he did. Both sides. Yeah. So the, science is the what man made. It's man made. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the religion. I think I think it's our it's our attempt to handle and emotionally understand it. Go ahead, Rich. Sorry. I was just saying, science is its own religion, right? It it, it, it has yeah, yeah, it can be. yeah. Because when you look at it, I mean, they've been pretty much upside it down, pretty much, and uh, they're not telling us everything. They're not yeah. even telling us everything about the Bible. So, I mean, you can see the Bible. All I do is this. I'll show you. This is the Bible. This is the Bible. That Jesus Christ stood up in my and went like this. And said, the Bible, there's a Bible within the Bible. And it turned into water. And he said, dive in. And I did. Right here. <laughs> and all I do with the Bible, when you really understand it, man, it's got a lot of, uh, I just kind of open it up and let my eyes. And it, all right, truly, we are consumed by our anger and by our wrath. We are put to rout. You have kept our inequalities between us, our hidden sins in the light of your scrutiny. All of our days have passed away. What they're talking about in that is that we hide our lives. Mm-hmm. That's, That's how we, we fool ourselves. We're fooling ourselves every time yeah. we lie about anything. I mean, if you're not willing to look at anything, you're not going to ever understand it anyway. You can't, you've got to have an open mind. If you don't, you're all out. So Virginia, we're gonna we need to wrap up, but uh, Rich, do you have any final questions? Not too much. <laughs> no, no. You know, we were just we were saying uh, before this, we should just have you on again, and because you have so many fantastic stories, so I'll work with you to schedule something in the future. But this has been absolutely fantastic. I hope we've it's- loved having you on well, because you're sharing a way of living that is geared towards health. It's geared towards living. It's geared towards positivity. It's geared towards creation. Those are the things that we want our listeners to have. And I think you've brought it in spades today. So thank you. Well, good. I hope so. Because this has been better than I don't want to talk about the NDEs. I want to talk about the miracles that have occurred since. Well, that's the thing is your journey has, it started with, it started at the beginning of your life, but it culminated in this near death experience that catapulted you into a brand new way of seeing life. And it's up to people to ask, does this resonate with me? And if people want to find you, how do they find you? Through uh, email. Uh, It's revisions111 at roadrunner.com. Awesome. One 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 again. <laughs> well, that's why I used it because one 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 is a big deal for me. When I'm especially if I'm really lost or something that I'm really pondering, I do a lot of pondering, <laughs> and all of a sudden there'll be and I said, there it is right there. I mean, my all my, my you know I sit right here in my uh, the day that I became a motivational speaker. I walked in here, raised my hand and I said, it's time for me to speak for you. The next week I had my first motivational speaking for a thousand dollars. And I didn't go. I didn't step into your courage. I stood in it. I said, God, it's time for me to speak for you. And then boom, the next week I had my first one. And we didn't even manifesting, Jonathan. It just came. Yeah. Well, it's when you really have that, focus and it's in the narrow road like i'm talking it's in the belief it's not on there well belief is not belief is another story that there's no such thing as belief it's knowing if you don't know it then you don't 
belief is just another thought. It's just another word. I disagree with you on that. I think okay. belief is in the encapsulation, but it's your experience is much deeper. I think belief is the beginning of the journey. Knowing is the journey. Maybe you're right at the beginning, but I never right. did. It's not the encapsulation of it. It's the beginning part of it. Jesus okay. said, believe so that we began that journey. It's a starting point. Yeah. Believe. Yes. Believe. Yeah. Look at the word. Believe. Yeah. Be Virginia, this has been absolutely fantastic. Thank you for joining us. Oh, I'm uh, glad we have really enjoyed this in a wonderful way. Rich, any final words to our audience? No, no I just Just tell me when you want to fly in. I, I, I've already been to Louisville once, and I'm going to come again. Is that your closest airport is to in Louisville? No, it's Lexington. Okay, Lexington. Very good. Well, um, in about 10, 10 minutes away from me. Oh, there you go. Well, um, I am. I'm looking forward to a date, and um, I, I just got to say that I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, I was expecting a real ex ex exciting um, podcast, and my eyes have been opened up into new ways. And I think we've um, hit on new areas. And the more and more conversations we have, the more and more see connected. Um, oh, I, I will say, I, I like you guys. You're easy <laughs> to get along with. Well, and, and you handle it with me saying, no, that's not what I agree with. Because I'm not telling you wrong. That's okay. Yeah, we. But I think that's what we should be doing is what, yeah. I mean, if I've got something that I think that you need, if you're going down the wrong road, I owe it to myself, not you, for myself mm -hmm. to tell you. Yeah. Because I will not be amiss. I'm not going crossed over and God saying, how did you serve me? And I'm going to say, well, uh, uh, I don't know. I'm not ever doing that again. <laughs> All right, done. Because I mean, let me tell you, any regrets, it was just like I walked in and it was like an elevator and all my regrets were in this elevator. And then it just closed and he said, it's done now. And it was like, oh. and then I said, I want to go back. And I said it, I want to go back to my family. That family is not existing now. Wow. My family is my family like you. Mm -hmm. The people who are now yeah. coming into this level of understanding, mm -hmm. this is who we are. We don't come, and it won't take that many. Say in the Bible, two or more gather. We got three. That's a triangle. There you go. I know how that works. <laughs> I know you got to go. So you all. All right, everybody. We uh, this has been living in the matrix. Uh, please respond, uh, comment, review. Let us know uh, if you have a guest you'd like to invite onto our show for us. Please connect us. We'd love to hear it. Virginia is an example of that. One of our guests actually suggested her for our show, and this has been absolutely fantastic. So, so thank you, everybody. Oh. Much love. Thank you.